honestly, being from South Carolina, eating a lot of whole hog, because um, South Carolina is a lot of whole hog too, but a lot of people just don't know about it. Um, but I got tired of growing up eating like pork that just was vinegar based. And it didn't have any smoke taste to it. Didn't have any flavor. It just tastes like the meat was convect in an oven and they trenched it with pork. And so my whole time I'm sitting there like, how can I get this hog to have a bark on it and be able to chop it up yeah. and get that flavor? And that was my whole, the reason like with my bark, with my pork, it's just so different from what you would get from Skylight Inn um, when it comes to like a smoky flavor. Barbecue's our passion, and that's just what you'll get where the Kim Burns is a barbecuer. Tales from the pits. Howdy, welcome to another episode of Tales from the Pits Hog Trippin' Edition. This is Brian. And Andrew. And today we're standing outside a Bee's Cracklin' Barbecue with Brian Furman. And Brian, great to have you with us today. Yes, sir. Uh, so Brian, you've uh, you've had a, a longer journey in barbecue than some might realize, and people have started hearing your name the last few years in the national circles. But you've been you've been doing this for for quite a while now. Yeah. Uh, how how did it get started for you? Um. Well, uh, my dad and my grand my grandparents raised pigs in South Carolina, so I grew up on like kind of like a hog farm. Um. But uh, my dad always cooked barbecue. Um. So I've been cooking and loving barbecue from a young age. Um. But after welding for so long, I always wanted to open a barbecue restaurant. So that's how it came about. And uh, this is all self-built here, cell phone. Tell us about finding this, these locations that you've had, Savannah, here, kind of getting behind that. You mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, no debt. That's yeah. a big deal, and that's, that's an important deal. But tell us why that's important to you. Um, well, I never opened a restaurant a day in my life. So when I moved to Savannah and told my wife about what I wanted to do and my concept, um, I started buying a lot of books and reading on restaurants, why they fail. And the number one cause was loans and not understanding if people are going to buy into your concept. So um, with that being said, that was my goal was to take my 401k and use my money. If I failed, I can always go back and get a, a welding job. Um, and if it succeeded, then my wife could quit her job and we just keep opening barbecue restaurants. I mean, that's, that's kind of how I looked at it. So you talked about your concept, and let's let, let's give the listeners a little insight to that if they're not familiar. I mean, whole hog cooking is obviously not new to the world, but you had a unique way of how you were going to do it and, and what, what you believed in was the right way to do it. Uh, let us know a little bit what your philosophy on that. Um, well, I used to watch uh, Bizarre Foods a lot, and um, Andrew Zimmerman, he was in um, Charleston. I can't remember if he was at McCready's or Huss, but they were cooking an Austin Ball Island pig. And um, I was at my mom and dad house up in Concord, North Carolina, and um, I was talking to my dad about opening a barbecue shop. And I was like, you know what? If I get laid off from this next job, I'm gonna just quit and I'm opening up a barbecue joint. And he was like, well, what's gonna be so special? And I was like, I'm gonna cook all my sides from scratch and the barbecue gonna taste better. And he was like, what's gonna make you different? And I was like, what? And he was like, what's gonna make you different? So I go in the room and my dad was real big on meat quality quality of me. I mean, from day one as a kid, my dad was very big on that. And um, I was like, hmm. So I go in and typed in best tasting pigs. And Koshan 55 popped up. And I seen all these heritage breed pigs. So then I go and I click in barbecue restaurants using heritage breed pork. 
and none popped up. I'm just like, okay. So I run back in there. I was like, I'm going to raise my own heritage breed pigs. I'm going to cook all my sides from scratch. And they looked at me and they was like, you can't do that. And from that day, it was instilled in my head. Like, that was my biggest motivation. Like, me being a Capricorn at that, it's like, okay, I'm going <laughs> to prove them wrong. Like, and, and so me seeing that that wasn't a concept that has been used, it's kind of like if you get it and the people buy it and they see what's going on, I mean, you're going to start something, you know? So what is it about a heritage pig? Heritage breed pigs, they have more flavor. Um, they're not like commodity pigs. Um, there are pigs that was raised before the commodity system. They just grow too slow. And in the commodity system, we need the meat out now. We need it now, now. Heritage breed pigs are not the same. Um, they take over a year to grow. Um, but if you know about pig raising and crossbreeding, you cross two heritage breed pigs, you're growing six, seven months. So that cuts out the time because they grow faster it's like a dog that's a purebred and a dog that's a mutt. The mutt outgrows the purebred and the purebred stays sick. So same concept. Um, but with the, with the meat, it was the flavor. And I wanted fat, but I needed girth at the same time. So we cross a, a, all natural, a naturally fatty pig with a naturally leaner pig. And so we got the best of both worlds in that. And so that was, that was philosophy from day one and... and uh, Savannah was the first location. Um, what, uh, when did you originally open Savannah? I opened Savannah October 7, 2014. And was October that? 17, 2014. So, so almost almost four years now at Savannah's original opening date. Um, were things successful? Were people receptive to the heritage breed right away? Or was it a process getting people used to what you were doing? Well, um, I was kind of off the beaten path in Savannah. Um, I didn't believe a lot of people was going to buy into it because a lot of people expect barbecue to be so cheap. Um, and, I mean, which is not. So um, looking around Savannah and everybody's buying, selling 5 and $10 plates, you can't make money like that. So it was just like, okay, people travel for good food. I travel for good food. So it'll get out there. So I just took my time, and that part of being debt-free, was that's why it was so important at the time when I opened in Savannah. If that answers your question. It does. Okay. It does. And, and what were you serving there? Was it um, uh, what you're serving now, or was it a little bit more limited? Um, I didn't have brisket. Um, I had uh, pork, ribs, and chicken, and hash and rice. I always had my hash and rice. Um, collard greens, mac and cheese, baked beans, coleslaw. I still crackling cornbread. The only thing I changed was... Um, Peach crisp I have now, and um, brisket. I want to ask about the, the cornbread. Uh -huh. that's, I haven't had anything like that on this trip. Okay, um, my grandma, when she made cornbread, she would make regular cornbread, cake cornbread, but when she was cooking collard greens or turnips or spinach, any kind of green, she would make these little pancakes on the stove, and we eat them with our hand. Actually, you're supposed to take it and pinch it and eat it. And... Um, so when I decided to come about with my barbecue, I'm like, I want to do my, my cornbread the way my grandma did her cornbread. And then when we killed pigs, she would take the cracklings and the skin and we will cook them in a wash pot and stir it with like an oak stick. And then she would take them after they got all hard and crunchy and boil them. 
and then after you boiled them, she would put them in her cornbread. So when I was getting ready to open my restaurant, I was sitting there thinking like, how can I do this cornbread and make crackling cornbread? Because I didn't want to put the crunchy skin in, in the pork because I didn't want somebody to buy a piece and lost it. I was thinking like that outside the box. And I was like, hold up, I can make these whole cakes. And so I started making the whole cakes and I was like, I can make these to each order. So if I make sheet cornbread, I might throw it out at the end of the night. So for each cornbread, I can drop those as you order. They don't take no more than four or five minutes to cook. And so that's how I came up with that, the crackling cornbread. Freshly made, sweet, and very different. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, I like, like you said, you just pick it off by your hand. Yeah. Dip it in if you want, but um, I was just eating it straight up. And Brun what, what I had Brunswick stew. cook brisket? Miss <laughs> um, Brenda. Um, rest in peace, Miss Brenda. Uh, back in 2013 when I was cooking um, my hogs on the weekend and doing catering gigs, she would tell my wife, you know, tell Brian to throw me a brisket on. And, and she would buy the whole brisket from me, and I would do it. And um, when I opened in 2014, she would be there. She would basically be the first customer every Friday. And she would spend like $200 on barbecue for her whole staff. Wow. And then two months later, December, um, she got sick and ill and passed away. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like right then, like, okay, I'm going to name this brisket after Miss Brenda. And that's when I put it on the menu. So a lot of people think Miss Brenda is my mom. Or they'll come in here and say, are you cooking Texas-style brisket? Or you cooking, I, why is it, you cooking something this way? And I'd be like, nah, I started cooking brisket for Miss Brenda. Um, everything I do has a story behind it. So, um, but uh, that's the reason I, I cook brisket. And has, your, has your brisket method changed at all over the years? Um, when I first started, I was, I was using um, choice brisket. Um, I never went or ran to grass-fed, because there's no flavor in grass-fed, um, and no fat. And you need fat for brisket, but um, my my rub has always been salt and pepper. Um, it's actually one my wife uses on her uh, steaks because she's a better steak cooker than me, so she cooks all the steaks at home. Um, and with beef, I always felt like I want to taste it, so salt and pepper is what I always put on it. Um, the only thing has changed is going down to Louis Mueller's and finding out about Prime and Wayne telling me about Prime and when I got back I called my rep like hey I need Prime um, that has changed um, other than that nothing else has changed with, with the brisket and you, you've cooked a few not on the menu but you've cooked a few beef ribs as well oh yeah Wayne yeah. Uh, shout out to Wayne for that also for teaching me how to cook uh, beef ribs through text messages <laughs> and checking up on me the next day to ask how they come out <laughs> that, that's Wayne for you I mean he's <laughs> He's he's been a teacher to many people in Texas, and you know he's, he's been a, a great help to a lot of people as far as educating on things he's learned in all of his years in the business. And mm -hmm. he's he's been he's we've learned a lot just talking to Wayne. Um, so Savannah was was successful restaurant. You were starting to get some attention, some acclaim for for what you were doing there. Um, but uh, I understand you, that you ended up having a, a fire in the restaurant. Mm -hmm. uh, was this 2015 or 16? Uh, 2015. Same day Dusty Rose died, I won't forget it. <laughs> um, June 11th. Uh, yes, uh, actually, um, it was a soda machine. Um, it uh, had too much Freon in it. 
Wow. Um, we was having a problem with this Coke machine. I'm going to say that on, I don't care. It was a Coke machine and, uh, in Savannah. We got Pepsi. So uh, what happened was we were getting, we had one of those drinks machines that hold 16 ounces and 20 ounce drinks. And it was freezing up. And it was right after Southern Living had like ranked us in the like top 50, like number 14. And we just got slammed crazy. And that's when the whole Savannah found out about me. Um, they, they found out about you after you had the fire? Before, before the fire? The week before. And it was crazy. And um, that Monday, I called this Coke. My wife called Coke and was like, hey, is y'all going to come get this machine fixed? And so when they came up, they didn't. The guy came in. I was washing dishes. He came in and he walked out. And he was like, hey, if you have another issue with it, uh, we'll bring you a new one. I'm like, bring a new one? thought that was a new one, you know? Um, and then Thursday night we was getting ready. Um, no, Wednesday night we were getting ready for Thursday because we went to Jacksonville and bought a ton of equipment so we can hold more food. And um, the next morning we get there and I see the news guy there and I'm like, gosh, he's here to bother me. And I didn't even notice my building over here. And I go up and he was like, you just getting here? And I'm like, yeah, and I look and I see the yellow tape. I thought somebody burnt me down at first. I was like, mm, somebody sabotaged me. But um, find the fire marshal, he came back and he was like, that Coke machine. So if you look at my restaurant in there, I have a picture on the wall. And it's in both of my restaurants. So I'm going to put them in all of them. But it's, my, it's my little takeout spot. And there's a picture of it after it blew up. And it's like to kind of keep me to remember where I started. And don't forget where I come from. So, and I put that in all my restaurants because I didn't let that stop me. You know, I just kept it, kept going. Um, so that's what happened to that restaurant. So I mean, Savannah rebuilt and it's running great now and yes, you know, producing great barbecue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the community helped me out. Southern Soul, um, Home Team, Buxton, my buddy Elliot, Mike Moore, um, Mirwan for Chapani. Um, Fox Brothers um, let me use a smoker of theirs when I came here to do an event that Creature Conference and Kimball House and my buddy Andrew Thomas Lee put together in Atlanta. So um, I don't forget about the people that then helped me out. And so, um, yeah, that, I didn't do it by myself and the whole community of Savannah and everybody that has supported me from that time. So Savannah's fortunately back open the Atlanta opportunity how did how did the uh, opportunity for this restaurant right now uh, how did that happen how did that come about uh, well uh, Killer Mike came into my restaurant in Savannah and um, he just told me you need to be in Atlanta it's like you need this in Atlanta he was like I feel like I'm at my grandmother's house and he said I don't feel like I'm in a restaurant and feel like I'm a character I have to be a character to fit in and so me um, Rodney Scott called me and I was supposed to be getting gallbladder surgery. And he just was like, hey man, I need you to come do this favor. I need a favor from you. And he was like, I'm in, I gotta go to Australia. Um, and I need you to go to Savannah, I mean to Atlanta and cook this hog for me. And my wife was like, nah. And I'm like, nah, this is Rodney Scott asking me for a favor. Like, that don't happen too much. So I better take this, the advantage of this. And um, I grabbed my pit guy, Anthony, who never cooked a hog a day in his life. And the next week we came up it was a success. Uh, me and my wife, her being an ex-property manager, looked around for some locations while we were up here. And we fell apart upon this location, um, the Riverside neighborhood on the west side of um, Atlanta. And um, 
It used to be a Hotty Hogs barbecue, so it was kind of turnkey. Um, I just bought in the smokers, um, and um, the rest is history, kind of. Bees Crackling has, has, has grown, and it's, key, and it's continuing to grow. Um, we, we were just reading last week that uh, you're going to have a, a spot in Phillips Arena where the Atlanta Hawks play. Yes. And is that going to be a similar menu, or what, is that still kind of in development right now? I know it was just announced. Um, we're doing uh, brisket tacos. Um, the owner, Tony Wrestler, he loves my ribs. So we'll be doing ribs. Um, we'll be cooking everything on the meats on site here. Um, I didn't want to jeopardize my quality. Um, you know, some people, when you get an opportunity to go in an arena, a bigger place, they go gas. Or And my, my deal was if I can't cook it the way I cook it at my restaurant, I can't be a part of it. Um, so... Um, as you see, we got extra smokers and reverse flow smokers, all wood burner smokers that will be cooking the product on the arena. And let's talk a little bit about your, your hog cooking process because I, I think you're a little different than some of the other folks out there. Oh, yeah. I'm a lot different. <laughs> um, well, for one, like with heritage breed pigs, pigs really don't mature until they're around 200 pounds. So we raise all our pigs about 275, 300. Um, and that's so the fat marbles all the way through the meat. I have them cut and have them split, cut in halves, because they're so big, one guy can't can handle it. Um, and so we cut them in halves, and I take the heads and feet and make my hash with. But um, I cook them skin side down the whole time. And um, me cooking skin side down the whole time, it's like a confit, the juices stay in the inside. And then um, after that, I mean, I wanted to have like that smoky flavor, but not too smoky, um, which comes to wood. And I use uh, oak pecan and a little cherry. And that's one thing that we, we glossed over, we really should make point of, because I think it's really cool that you're doing this. You, you're very involved in the breeding and the raising process of, of the animals that, that end up being cooked for the restaurant. It, and how... Do you control the diet, or how does that work? Or, Well, um, how that all came about was I had went out and got like 15 acres, and I had like seven different breeds um, when I first started raising pigs. And um, I just went off what my grandparents did. And they actually wanted me to come back to South Carolina and raise them there, and I'm like, no, nah, I can't. It's too far away from me. But um, I just went and bought all these pigs, and I wanted to taste each breed differently. And, and what happened was I met a guy, Donald Shavers. He was selling some Durox. And he had sold out of them. Uh, and he said, call me next year. So I called him back. I said, hey, Donald, um, you have those Durox? And he was like, come down to Statesboro. So I went down to Statesboro, met him, went on the farm. And he had all these pigs out there, and he had Chester Whites. And I told him I had also balls and the breeze I had. So he said his pig was better than my pig. So we met up and I bought one of my also balls to his farm. He killed one of his pigs, I killed one of mine. And when he seen mine, he was like, whoa, like just the marbling of the meat. And I called him the hog father because he was like, okay, what you need to do is take this, this male and breed with this female. And a lot, I learned a lot from him also. And so he's in charge of the breeding. Um, he handles all the breeding. And I handle all the labor. 
Um, you know, he handles labor, but I pay for labor. I pay for all the feed. Um, when they're taken to the slaughter, I pay for that. And my employees go pick them up. But it gives so, you the exact product that you feel gives you the, the best possible yeah. finished product for the restaurant. Exactly. And, uh, and the turnaround is, is really quick. Yeah, the turnaround, the turnaround is really quick. Also, what I have done is I've also started getting other products from other farmers, like Comfort Farms. Like, going into the arena, I don't want to really change. Um, and so what I've done is I've started contacting other farmers so I don't have to stress. Then I don't have to stress out Comfort Farms. It's kind of like partnering with other farmers. And it's not just about me, you know, at the end of the day. So. And, so and talking about partnering with farmers, long-term plan is to have more locations. Yeah, I really only want to do about 10 more. <laughs> only 10 more. I only, <laughs> only want to do 10. My whole goal, my concept here at Bees is I train my employees. Um, I train my employees, and like Savannah, I'm hardly ever in Savannah. I'm hardly ever in Savannah because I got five women down there. I got six employees running that location. Like I said, I, it's, a take, it's more down there 40 people could fit in, and it's takeout. And it's counter service. This is a whole different ballgame, um, as you can see. So if I give my pit guy, once he knows what he's doing, a percentage. You know, I, I give my manager a percentage, and I'm still giving them a salary pay. I give them 20% of that building. I still own 80%. Then I go to the next one, and I show them. Because now they're owners. It's a good way to keep your employees around, because yeah. that's, that's right. always one of the problems. And we've heard it said before a lot of times, you're merely training your future competition, but but you've got a way to get them ownership, and also it's pride of what they're cooking because now their their name is literally on that building and in that building and in the contracts. Exactly. And so there's there's a lot more connection to that, and that, I think that's a great great process. So when we're talking maybe ten more locations in the future, is that uh, is that going to be all in Georgia? Will that be in other states? Or I, I think I'm finishing te- I'm, I'm te- <laughs> Texas. We got him. I that was subliminal <laughs> work. Uh-uh, yes. Uh-uh. I think I'm finished. Even though I've been asked to come to Houston, um, I think I'm. We're going to ask you when we're done Because I really only want to go to like major cities, and I want to go to cities that don't have barbecue. Um, when you go to a place that's like. And the reason I came to Atlanta because, okay, I got Savannah. But Atlanta has barbecue, but what I'm doing is different. And um, I'm just a different person. And it's, it's like you always have to be, you got to stay in the limelight when you're doing something. Because people forget about you. So you got to always, and, and that's why I kind of go back to my history. I'm always doing something different. And it just keeps people in the know. But, um Going to other locations, training a staff that's been fully trained by me. Um, I always train all the pit guys. Um, and making sure that they get the same quality that they would get if they came to a, a regular bees location. But that's my goal is just to do 10 more. Um, yeah, Texas Texas is a state that you, man, you, they religiously, it's like, <laughs> cer- it's like certain places that, you know, you better come with it, but they – that's like going to Alabama and going to Tuscaloosa. Rodney's going to Alabama, though. <laughs> yeah, that's because uh, Nick Fayak is in them. They're from there. So right. he, he got the he, – he, he, 
He, he, he stamped in there already, so <laughs> he got the right people on his side. Well, you can kind of make a compromise. You know, Louisiana is almost Texas, uh-huh. and they need a lot of good barbecue in Louisiana. <laughs> so. We're just trying to get you a little bit yeah. closer. <laughs> I got a buddy, Howard, Con- Hi- Howard Conyers. Um, he might do something there. Me and him might partner and do something there. I don't know. Um, he's in New Orleans, um, but um, me and him been doing a lot of talking, so you'll be seeing his name a lot. Surrounded with bees. One thing, and it's total shifting gears from what we're talking about, biscuits. I, I've heard so much about the, the biscuit pop-ups that you guys do. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we weren't able to time the trip to, to do to be at one of the biscuit pop-ups. But my sister and my brother-in-law live 10 minutes away, and they have not been for one of the biscuit pop-ups yet. So I'm going to bug them until they do it for me. <laughs> biscuit pops up for crazy. Um, so Erica Council, she's from Durham, North Carolina. Her grandmother owned my dips. And um, she just passed away a couple months back. But um, when I came to Atlanta, she did a pop-up at Kimball House. And um, Bill Addison told her that, hey, you need to do a biscuit pop-up. And so me, her, and Mike Sheets, the guy we did the, the, we cooked a hog for, I came here to cook a hog for, we did a Black History Month dinner here. And it was me, Erica, and Mike. And right after that, I was like, Erica, we need to do a pop-up. So, um, she comes in, she takes the fat from my pigs, she makes homemade biscuits, um, she makes beignets, she makes cinnamon rolls. Um, I fry buttermilk fried chicken. I take sausage um, from Comfort Farms, because I love their sausage now. Um, and I make sausage gravy. Um, uh, we do. Uh, Believe me, I tried to time this trip. Yeah, so- sausage gravy and biscuits made with pig fat. Yeah. Country ham. Oh, we do country ham biscuits uh, we also have a brisket hash which is bell peppers onions hash browns and then i take like the smoked brisket chop it in chunks and smother it in the hash browns and put like an over easy egg on top with a biscuit it's like the biggest seller um we did shrimp and grits last the week before last so it's, it's something now that has kind of got a name and but it, it's gradually grown and that's kind of like Anything like it's got a good hashtag too. Yeah, yeah, bomb ass business. (laughs) (laughs) I've been I've been drooling over that stuff on Instagram for like the last three months. I'm like, man, I gotta get. I I can get to Atlanta often because I got family here, but I'm gonna have to time it. Yeah, that's Erica's. That's Erica's thing. Um, I've been talking to her about like with these bees implementing that into the bees business plan, to where as we open. It's committed to where either on Saturdays or Sundays you're gonna get bomb ass biscuits. It's kind of a brunch kind of idea. Yeah. Or, yeah. Barbecue brunch, man. That's the future. Yeah. No, I'm all in for it. <laughs> Hash is something uh, unique to this region. Um, we don't have it in Texas at all, really. What we have is nothing like what you have here. It, it's come from in the past having to use all of the hog and and being a little bit responsible with what, what you're cooking and not throwing away. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about what, what makes hash and what makes your hash good. Okay, um, so in South Carolina, that's our Brunswick stew. Um, growing up eating it since I was little, so um, we basically take the hog head, boil it. I don't put the eyes and the brains in it. I make sure I tell people that. Um, I remember one time I used to tell my employees, they was like, what to tell them when I see women? I was like, tell them we just use hog chop. <laughs> they, they love hog job, but if you say the head, do not say the head. <laughs> um, but um, a lot of fat and flavor is in, is in the head meat. Um, and so I take the head, the feet, um, which is no use when you're cooking a whole hog. 
and I put all that into the pot. Um, I also take my ribs, because I use spare ribs, that flap on the back, take that flap on the back, and I throw that in the pot. Um, you're just thinking of ways of how to use extras. Um, but uh, I boil it with onions, garlic, be- um, not bell pepper, onions, garlic powder, black pepper, and salt. And then once it cooks down, um, I'll uh, run it through a grinder and get it pureed out. And then I'll take parts of the hog, the burning in parts, and I'll throw that in to get that smoky flavor to it. Um, and also I use, sometimes I use deckle from the brisket fat. There's some brisket fat and I pour in there. Um, but it's basically like a, a meat gravy. And in South Carolina, that's what that's what you find. You go to North Carolina, you won't find it, you know. Um, so, further in jo- Georgia, you'll see it, I believe, is Augusta. And near Hartsville, where some Dixie Pig, some place up in, I think, right outside Georgia, you'll find it. But Augusta has it, because it's so close to Columbia. Um, but I'm the first in Savannah, the first in Atlanta. And it's just part of... It's a religion to me because that's what I grew up eating. It's a really unique bite. I mean, yes. it's got it's got a lot of flavor into it, but mm-hmm. it's not the texture that, if you're used to eating pork ribs or pulled pork, it's a completely different texture. Like I said, it's like a gravy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some people pour it. They, some people ask to put it on their barbecue. <laughs> some people like just. That's why I do it with the rice by itself. And some people want to put it on their barbecue and eat it that way. Um, but it's, it's always been a big hit when I go to events. Actually, I'm cooking it for um, when I do the event in Texas. They was like, hey, do a side. And I was like, how about hash and rice? And Daniel was like, sure, that sounds like a perfect idea. So, And that, yeah. that event in Texas, just for those listening? Um, it's supposed to be a barbecue party at uh, Franklin's Barbecue. And I think it's me. I'm a, I think it's Aaron Franklin, Sam Jones, um, Leroy, Ed, Evan, Leroy. Evan, Leroy. Evan Leroy, and me. Wow, that's a that's, that's a lineup. One hell of a party. <laughs> yeah, that's a lineup. And I don't know who else. You never know with Daniel Vaughn. It might be a surprise <laughs> somewhere. So, well, that that sounds like it's going to be amazing, and that's going to be in Austin. Um, I believe it's right around or the day before Texas Monthly Festival, or that 11, same weekend. 11-3. Yeah, 11-3. the day before right, the Texas so. Monthly Festival. Yeah. Okay. So, we'll, get, uh, you know, you'll if you have time that Sunday, I'm sure you can get out to the festival too, and they've got 27, 28 places out there. What's that? The, the big Texas monthly barbecue festival. I'll be there then. <laughs> so that's I will be that's there. out of the top fifty. There will be 27, 20, 28, yeah, something twenty-five like that to thirty barbecue of those places. So snows will be there, um, oh. and all of those top fifty places from all around Texas. Yeah, um, it's a it's a ton of fun. It's a ton of food. Oh wow! I know I'll be there. <laughs> Once you told me that. I, I need to know where to eat in San Antonio because I'm supposed to be in San Antonio for like three days. Well, if you look for okay. barbecue, look no further than 2M Smokehouse. Um, Ramos, Joe Melig, um, one of the one of the best barbecue joints in Texas, and in my opinion, the the very best in San Antonio. Um, and they do they do a little uh, Tex-Mex flair with their barbecue. Um, they do like pickled nopales, uh, you know, the pickled bell peppers. Um, they've got tres leches for dessert. They do all sorts of stuff. And then the traditional brisket and ribs, um, they make their own sausage there. They do a Oaxaca cheese pork serrano sausage. It's good stuff. So if you get a chance to check them out in San Antonio, they are they're awesome. And and if you if you get a chance in San Antonio, Puffy Tacos is a is yeah. a big thing. Puffy Tacos were invented in San Antonio and that's so you gotta go try them there. Yeah. It's and literally it's, just a tortilla that they fry until it puffs up and they yeah. put cheddar cheese all over it. I'm not gonna try that out. Um, like Brunswick stew, like we don't do that in the summer. It's seasonal. 
Um, and everybody's like, well, hash and rice is hot and, and Brunswick <laughs> stew is hot. Why don't you do it? Why don't you do it like you do the Brunswick stew? And I told him, I said, well, that's because hash and rice is what I grew up with. It's my staple. Like, I bring the Brunswick stew back in the summer. I have customers come in here. They'll be like, hey, um, can I get Brunswick stew? We were like, oh, we won't have that back till October. Well, I'm gone. <laughs> and I walk out. And, and my employees, they just That's leave. It? I was like, yeah, if they came item? here just to get my Brunswick stew, I don't want them coming in the direction. <laughs> 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 if they came, this is barbecue restaurant. If you came just for Brunswick stew, then you can get that from any barbecue restaurant in the city of Atlanta. Now, there are plenty of reasons to come to Beast Crackling. The the sides, the the banana pudding we've been munching on this episode. Yeah, that's um, my mom's recipe. Yeah, this is this is a unique it, banana pudding yeah, too. The yeah. meats are just incredible. I mean, it's this lived up to everything we we thought it would be before we walked in the door. Um, the food is fantastic. Um, the customer service is great. Everyone, the staff is just super friendly. Um, just making sure you know. Oh, do you need a refill? Do you need this? It's just you can tell you can tell it means something to everyone that works here. It's more important. Customer service is more important than the food, to me. Um, I, I mean, because it's like when you go someplace, it's about respect, and like people respect you. And if you just go to some place and give somebody like bad customer service, no matter how good the food is, they're gonna write and say something about it. Because you go out to have a good time, and then that like just kills the whole vibe. And when you go and you get bad customer service, yeah. And that's that's part of the experience here. I mean, you've got it's kind of like a house, like you said. Mm-hmm. Somebody you mentioned somebody at Savannah is kind of like your grandmother's house. That's the feeling here that we're, yeah. we're sitting out on the deck of your house. It's your personal place, and your staff makes us feel welcome. It's a great visit. All of them is. I mean, like in Savannah, I'm in a community. In Atlanta, I'm in a community. Like I don't believe in location, location. I believe in communities, and so like once you become a part of the community, it's kind of like. You you, so you 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 grow from within, and you're helping out the community. And you support each other, and exactly. the people in that community are more likely to support the place that is their local spot. Mm-hmm. When it snows and everybody's closed, bees is open. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't say you can't get to work. <laughs> <laughs> Brian lives pretty close to the building. So. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. All right. Well, we we definitely thank you for your time. It's been a great visit. It's yes, nice, sir. unique items as well which is always fun because it's it's stuff that you can't get anywhere else um love what you're doing with with the whole hog program from beginning to end yes sir um, it's, it's great to see and great to see your pride and your staff's pride so i say thank you yeah we're looking forward to the next 10 locations all right thank you sir <laughs> once again thank you to brian Furman for his time really enjoyed the visit to beast crackling barbecue in atlanta if you're in the atlanta area or savannah it's definitely one of the go-to barbecue spots So uh, check it out, and Brian was kind enough to give us a shirt to give away for this episode. So go to our Instagram, at Tales from the Pits. Check us out. If you're not following us, you should be following us on there. Um, And we'll be posting about this episode, and it'll also have details on how you can win that T-shirt from Bees Cracklin' Barbecue in Atlanta. Again, thank you to all the listeners. Please rate us on your favorite listening app. Subscribe to the show. It really helps us out. We appreciate it, and we will have a new episode next week.